with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com where we break down the 8-Man game week in, week out, uh, talking about the sport everybody loves, Idaho 8-Man football. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined as always by the coach, Lane Kirkland. Coach, what's up? Hey, doing well. Thank you. Good to see you. A man of few words and now a man of, of many words. Even the Tyreek sign right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, let's go to Will Henneke back after a one-week hiatus. Will, hello. I was wondering, Coach, if you were pacing yourself after the busy week last week, you know, got to save those save those vocal cords a little bit. Yeah, that's a lot of talking, Will. I'm glad you're here this week, man. Yeah, there was a – I used to do play-by-play for the Idaho Steelheads, and I was a solo broadcaster. And we had a game once in 2000. It would have been 2014. Um, it went, it's the longest game in the history of the ECHL. It started, I went on the air at about 6.50 p.m. for the pregame show. The game started at 7.05. The game ended at 1 in the morning. And I was on the air solo that entire time. I, I think most people know what the steelheads are, but for those that don't, it's hockey. And how many, how many, how many overtime periods was it, Will? Uh, it was uh, almost five. We almost went to a fifth overtime. Yeah. The Steelheads actually play a preseason game over uh, in Idaho Falls next, uh, this weekend. This weekend? Next weekend? One of them. One or the other. So people over in eastern Idaho will get a chance to see them. Cool. Coach Kirkland, what was the longest game you ever coached in? How many overtimes? Oh, this one. I've only been in, I think, one overtime, honestly. Yeah, with Lighthouse in the championship in 20, 2019. That's all I can remember. That's it. Wow. Probably three hours, yeah, two and a half hours. That's what happens when you win every game 64 to 8 for like 47 years. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. That was, that was a very diplomatic response there from uh, Coach Kirkland. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Well, we start every show with, of course, our game of the week. Doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest matchup on paper or have the biggest implications, but just the game that turned out to be the most exciting. Well, this was a game that you were actually at for a little bit on Friday night, a non-conference showdown between Lewis County and Tri-Valley. Lewis County makes the trip south. Tri-Valley wins 62-56 to as Sophomore quarterback Jace Wagoner scores on a three-yard touchdown run, basically as time expires to walk it off 62 to 56. This was a wild ending, to say the least, Will. Oh, the whole game was wild. It was, you know, Lewis County gets the opening kickoff and they march down the field and Gage Crow scores and they kick off back to to Tri-Valley and Clayton Harper takes the first run 70 yards for a touchdown. And I mean, and that was the game. It was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth the whole game. And, um, uh, you know, down there on, on field level and coach, I'm sure you can speak to this, just your experiences being around football for so long, you get into one of those track meets. It wasn't, these coaches weren't trying, they were moving kids around. They were changing fronts. They were changing personnel. They were doing whatever they they could, but you know, between, between, uh, uh Jace Wagner and, and Clayton Harper and then Gage Warren as well. You know, Lewis County didn't have any answers for Tri-Valley's offense, and Gage Warren ran for over 400 yards. And so they obviously couldn't couldn't stop him. And then you get down to the end there where Lewis County thought they had a stop inside the five and thought the clock was going to run out. There was some confusion that allowed uh, Tri-Valley to run another play, and they took advantage, and they punched it in, and they got the win. Yeah, it sounded like, Will, Tri-Valley, and you tell me if I'm wrong here because I heard this all secondhand because obviously I wasn't there. Uh, it sounded like it, it was down to like the final 10 seconds, like you said. Tri-Valley was trying to call a timeout, but they didn't have any. And that caused a little hiccup in, in the machinations of getting the ball set and looking at the clock. And the clock maybe had, had gone to zero when they snapped it. Am I getting that right? Uh, that's that's my general understanding is that there was just enough of a pause and just enough of a reset uh, that it allowed Tri Valley to get another play off and you know there 
Tri-Valley ain't going to apologize for it. They were given an opportunity and they took advantage and they won a game. But for both those teams, because those are both teams that could find themselves in the playoffs here in a couple weeks, it's a really good tune-up because you're playing a good team. You're playing a playoff caliber team. And, you know, you, you talk about <clears throat> it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up. And both teams kept getting up. It was if, if you just like watching fun football, you would have really enjoyed this game. It was a lot of fun to watch. And and if you talk to Lewis County coach Monty Madrell, he'll tell you, hey, it shouldn't have come down to that last play anyways. We should have stopped him on numerous other occasions. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that's more or less what he said. It's, you know, it's they had chances. You know, they they had chances to to make some stops earlier in the game and maybe not have it come down to what it came down to, but I still don't think he could have gone home too terribly upset with his team's performance. They played their hearts out. Definitely. So we talked about it. Gage Crow rushed for 410 yards and five, was it five touchdowns or six, six Will? Six and a couple of two-point conversions as well. And oh, and it's like they don't even try and hide it where, um, you know, they just put him in the backfield, direct snap, and then he picks a hole and goes. And uh, they've got a young man, Aiden McLeod, a little lefty. He's a junior. He can throw the ball a little bit. So they mix him in a little bit, not only on passing downs, but sometimes just traditional running plays, just so you can't uh, specifically say, okay, McLeod's in, it's going to be a pass. Crow's under center, it's going to be a run. Uh, but they do a nice job with their personnel. And I was also really impressed with uh, Jace Wagner, the young man for Tri-Valley, their quarterback, and Clayton, Clayton Harper, I mean – 100 meter state champ, and you saw why very early in that game. Uh, Tri Valley's got some speed. They're going to be a tough out uh, if if they qualify for the playoffs. They're going to be a tough out. So, Coach Kirkland, my question to you is: What's more frustrating, having a team like Tri Valley that's got three or four different guys that can beat you, and you're not sure, or having one dude engage Crow? You know he's getting the rock, and you still can't stop him. What's more frustrating? It's got to be the one guy. I mean, that's a quarter mile of yards. That's amazing. That's uh, that's really a great stat, and, uh, and probably some sort of close to a state record somewhere in there. Like, I suppose I don't know. I think there's some five and six hundred ones come out of the state earlier in the twenty years ago or so. But that's that's a great effort, and uh, both coaches I'm sure had a blast coaching that. And despite the lack of defense, uh, everybody loves to see a touchdown and. I don't know, 30 touchdowns? How many have there, Will? Oh, God. That's a lot. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. even get up and down the field fast enough all the time. And to <laughs> your your point earlier, Coach, I think they had already split into Division One and Division Two at this point. But there was a game probably around 2,000, roughly. Uh, a young man from Idaho City by the name of Monty Hicks went over 500 yards and like eight touchdowns. And he was a lot like Clayton Harper in that he ran about a 4 5 40 and when Coach Rober called for a run wide, if he got to the corner, you know, okay, just send out the PAT team. This plays over, and, and it was it was pretty. I remember talking to Coach Rober after that game, and he's like, it was pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, Monty Hicks and uh, Teddy May, I believe, from Horseshoe Band, kind of the same era. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ted May was another one. Yep. Well, we're going to talk about Horseshoe Bend here in just a second because let's take a look at the rest of this 1AD2 long pin conference in District 3. The first domino, so to speak, fell last Friday on IdahoSports.com. Garden Valley gets the win over Horseshoe Bend 57-42. to Now, final score is a little deceptive. Horseshoe Bend scored a lot late, but Garden Valley was never not in control of this game, Coach. Uh, they were leading 33-14. to when the fourth quarter began, uh, Trevor Corn rushes for 156 yards and six touchdowns in the victory. Tacoma Kelly rushes for 186 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, this is a Garden Valley team that is kind of like Tri Valley. They've got a lot of different ways to beat you in a really dynamic athlete back at quarterback in Tacoma Kelly. What do you, how impressive is his ability and his dynamic uh, athleticism that he brings to that quarterback position? Yeah, that uh, Kelly family has a, a bunch of good athletes, and Tacoma is uh, another great one to uh, to chuck up to the Wolverines' uh, offense there. Um, those kind of guys are hard to stop, and uh, he's, he's getting late in the season now. He's had some good reps, a lot of reps, and getting better and better at, uh, at moving the ball around, but also taking control himself, knowing that uh, he, he's a dude and 
He's got to keep leading that Wolverine team. So Corn not only scores six touchdowns on offense, he racks up 18 tackles and a sack on defense, which is just mind-boggling to me that you would get that many tackles in a contest. But, Will, now we pivot to second week in a row. Garden Valley is going to be on IdahoSports.com. We should have just told Logan Green to stay in Garden Valley for the week uh, and just set up shop there. Uh, but this is the big one. Council comes to town in a game that for all intents and purposes will decide the long pin conference title. Yeah, it probably should. Uh, uh, Council's already beaten Tri-Valley and now Garden Valley has a win over uh, Horseshoe Bend. So that puts those two teams uh, a half step out in front. And it's, uh, I, I've, I've watched both these teams play and, and both of them have a number of weapons, whether it's, uh, you know, Corn and, and Kelly and Zimmer and all those uh, all those players up at Garden Valley, or you go down to Horseshoe Bend, and you've got Carson Drake, you've got Kalen Jones, and you've got Trey Bauer. You know, you've got a lot of playmakers there in Horseshoe Bend as well. So, um, you know, I don't. Even though I used to, I used to do what I used to do. You know, the broadcasting. I'm not prone to cliches, or at least I try not to be. But this could be one of those. You know, who's who's getting the ball last and. And by last, I don't mean literally last, you know, five seconds to go or something. But we could be, you know, deep in the fourth quarter and we could be looking at a 30-30, 40-40 type game because uh, both both these teams, both Council um, and and uh, Garden Valley uh, have some weapons. Yeah, Why Council- was I mentioning the Horseshoe Bend guys? Where did I come up with that one? Well, because they just played Garden Valley. Okay. And we're, okay. we're, we're going to talk about Horseshoe Bend because they've got an important do-or-die okay. game coming up as well. So let me circle back to council, Dalton Bingham, Mason Roberts, Owen Hatfield, uh, plenty of good playmakers there in council as well. So I, my apologies. I got a little turned around there. No, it's, it's all right, coach. What happens when I take a week off coach? (laughs) I lose my game. You still got your mojo. I believe in you. (laughs) Look at that. A pep talk from coach Kirkland. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, You'll find it. Will You'll find it. He's about to bench me right now. He's calling for the lefty out of the bullpen. Negative, <laughs> negative. Uh, okay, so coach, we've talked about council a lot this year. They they love running the rock with Mason Roberts at fullback, Dalton Bingham at running back, and then they hit you over the top on play action. And Owen Hatfield's only a sophomore, but he, he throws a nice deep ball, and they've got some good receiving weapons. Garrison Zelinski caught a touchdown last week. Um, they've also got Decker McLinn, who's a dynamic athlete as well. Um, and so to me, I think people look at council and see the four and three overall record and kind of dismiss them as, oh, they're not that good, but consider who their three losses were to Kendrick, Kamii and Butte County. Those are three really good teams. Yeah. That's a lot of good experience in a season to be able to, uh, to take into the playoffs and, uh, against those good teams, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about your players, about your coaching and your strategies, and uh, I think you can really clean a lot of things up from a loss that'll really help you prepare for that uh, that next uh, bracket that you could be in. And uh, those play action plays, those things over the top, they've called at the right time, which they have experience in now from those other games are, are going to come into play and uh, perhaps be a great benefit to them. Yeah, I think the key is going to be, can the Garden Valley pass rush, you know, Trustin Brown and Trevor Korn, can they get home before they can complete those long balls? It'll be interesting. I'm going with Council in this game. Coach, what's your gut tell you here? I think Council is going to get her done as well. Will? Uh, I'm going to take Mullen St. Regis. (laughs) Took you a second there. Took you a second. I've already completely screwed up this game, so why not screw up my, my prediction as well? No, I... Um, I, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm liking Garden Valley, but I like I say I think it's going to be tight, um, and I do think Brandon, what you said is is exactly the key. That Garden Valley front um, can they basically take the play action part out of those play action deep shots? Can they make it into some uh, get them behind the chains a little bit where they're having to just kind of drop back and, and throw a little bit and. Uh, minimize the effect of, of Roberts and Bingham in the backfield. And if they can, I think they got a pretty good chance. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And you can watch it Friday afternoon, 3.30 kickoff from Garden Valley on idahosports.com. Now, on the flip side in the long pin, 
We also have Horseshoe Bend and Tri-Valley meeting up in a game that essentially is going to be a knockout game. I mean, Tri-Valley could lose and still maneuver their way in. It would be very difficult. But uh, basically, to me, this is an elimination game. The winner of this matchup will get that third playoff slot. And my question here, Coach, is, is can anybody get a stop defensively? Both these teams have been in a lot of shootouts this year, and it may come down to can somebody get a stop on defense? Ooh, that's that's a great question with the, the scores that we're looking at here recently. Um, it, it will likely come down to that. It, it could come down to turnovers as well. If they're still moving the ball well, maybe something will happen that direction that uh, will benefit the other team. So let it play out. It's going to be interesting. I'm I'm still leaning Horseshoe Bend in this one. I know Tri-Valley's been playing very well this year, Will, but what do you think in this matchup? Well, we talked early in the year. Uh, there were a lot of people when we were doing the previews and they were kind of, uh, we were asking coaches, what do you think? What is your feeling? And there were a lot of people that were thinking Horseshoe Bend in that three or four. And and I remember saying very early on one of these podcasts, if, if Horseshoe Bend's your fourth place team, you've got a pretty good league. And I think that that's exactly what's playing out. Um, you know, even Cascade has been, you know, they've done some good things this year. Salmon River's done some good things this year. It's a tough league, and, and it's one of those things where that whichever team winds up in fourth, um, I, I don't think there's going to be – sure, you can be disappointed you, that you didn't make the playoffs or whatever, but whichever team ends up in that spot is a good football team, and whichever team winds up in that three-hole, um, depending on how those brackets align and those matchups align, whether it's Horseshoe Bend, whether it's Tri-Valley, they're going to have a chance to make some noise. Third place from District 3 travels to second place from District 1. So we could see, and that and that's exactly where we're going to pivot to now because we talked about this great Tri-Valley-Lewis County matchup. Uh, Lewis County doesn't have much time to, to dwell on this loss uh, because they've got to turn around now, Will, and play their most important game of the year. They've got Deary coming to Craigmont on Friday night in a game that more than likely is going to decide that second and final playoff berth from District 2. Yeah, and Deary's done a nice job this year, bounced back after a tough year last year, albeit I don't want to call it a a little bit of uh, fake news, if you will, uh, a term that's been popularized over the last five years, but um, you know, Deary was in a lot of games last year. They just couldn't find a way to close them out. And this year they've done a better job closing them out. And, uh, you know, Tucker Ashmead and his teammates there and, and coach Olson, they've done a nice job putting themselves in position where they control their own destiny here. And it's, it's not going to be easy because they're going to have to shut down Gage Crow. They're going to have to do what nobody really has been able to do this year. Here's a young man that's 1500 yards and 18 touchdowns in six games. Um, they're going to have to find a way to control him. And if they can, uh, I, you know, I like the Mustangs chances, but I also, you know, 42 in those Lewis County jerseys, you know, as long as 42 is back there taking snaps, they got a puncher's chance for sure. So these teams met last year in basically the same scenario. It came at the conference opener. We didn't know it at the time, but the game decided the second playoff spot. Lewis County won in a very un Lewis County like final of 18 to 14, which, you know, I was like, huh? Okay, a defensive battle. Let's do it. Um, but two years ago, Coach Kirkland, Lewis County was in the same position. They were playing Timberline, basically knowing that, hey, if we win, we go to the playoffs. If we don't, we lose. They scored 66 points. Problem is, they gave up 78. And Coach Monty Madrell uh, to the Lewiston Tribune had a great quote. He said, hey, Dibberline was hotter than the surface of the sun. And what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think as they're, they're scoring those points, those great players are going to continue to, uh, to make those great plays and, uh, and keep that kind of score rolling until somebody actually stops them. And that's, that's the key to hit into the, those final games. Yeah. Both teams have been in battle tested this year. Both teams have been in tight games. Uh, Deary has pulled out a couple of tight wins this year. So this to me is a, a flip, but I'll go, I'll go with Lewis County, uh, only because they did it last year, but it wouldn't surprise me if either team won this matchup. That's going to be a really fun game to keep an eye on up North this Friday. All right, let's go to district one guys where it is a hot mess <laughs> it is, uh, who, uh, Wallace, not on anybody's radar. We all probably thought 
a year away because they've got so many freshmen they're they're leaning on this year. And yet, last Friday, Wallace picks up a 22 to 20 victory over Lakeside. And just like that, the Miners are back in the playoff mix. Henry Larson, freshman quarterback, throws touchdown passes to Julian Davis and Wyatt Ritchie, also scored on a QB sneak. Will, this was an interesting game where Lakeside scored to bring it to 22 to 20. This was late. They went for the onside kick and recovered, but then Wallace forces a turnover on downs and runs out the clock from there. So now all of a sudden, this league has been thrown into chaos. Yeah, they had that Lakeside had that really, really strong showing that I believe you were at uh, against Clark Fork a couple weeks ago. Uh, and now a couple of what I'm sure they would consider not typical performances in a row has, has put them in a, a bit of a tough spot here. I still like that group. I still like that team. But uh, a lot of credit to Jared Young, the head coach at Wallace. He knew he had a young team. Uh, he knew he had some kids that were going to need to maybe punch above their weight class a little bit for this team to compete because they are young and they are inexperienced at the varsity level. But what are they doing? They're doing it. You know, they're, they, they put themselves in a position to be there. And when they went a couple years ago um, as, as the 12 seed and they had to play, uh, I believe it was Oakley in the first round in Salmon River, they really, and, and they would say, we didn't really have a whole lot of business being there, but it was a good experience for us some of those older kids were probably on the field that day. And now they can carry that experience forward now to help the younger kids transition and maybe get some good stuff going in Wallace. So here's how it looks. Mullen St. Regis is four and zero. Lakeside is two and two Clark force Clark fork and Wallace are each one and three Clark fork has beaten Wallace. They still have to play Wallace on Friday night. Lakeside has already beaten Clark fork once this year and they play Clark fork in the season finale. Mullen St. Regis has beaten everybody. So how does everybody get to the playoffs? Mullen St. Regis only needs to win one of its final two games. They're at home for both of them, Lakeside this Friday, and then Wallace the following Friday. They only need to be win once and they're in. Lakeside needs to, I mean, they, they should win out if they really want to get in. They're at Mullen St. Regis on Friday and then at Clark Fork next Friday. Um, even if they don't win out, they still have the one step ahead because they're two and two and the other teams are one and three. Um, they can get in if Clark Fork loses one of their final two games. Um, Clark Fork needs to win out. They're at home against Wallace, home against Lakeside. And then Wallace basically needs to win out just to try and force some tiebreakers. They're at Clark Fork and at Mullen St. Regis. So literally nothing's been decided. Mullen could go, you know, Mullen St. Regis could lose its final two games, be four and two, be on the wrong side of a weird tiebreaker, and they could be out. So I don't, I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out, but coach, what does your gut tell you? Who will be the two teams representing this district in the state, state playoffs? Uh, I think Mullen St. Regis and Lakeside are going to continue to uh, to do their thing and uh, and uh, and take those positions. Will I would agree with Mullen St. Regis absolutely. Uh, I think that Coach Spooner and Coach Allen up there with their new wave of stars, you know, uh, Kofi Apaya and and John Pruitt and uh, Lulis, the freshman quarterback there, they they're just. I think they've got the one, not in the bag, but more or less in the bag. And as for the two, I, I think Coach is probably probably right. I think it probably winds up being Lakeside, but I think for the other two coaches, for Coach, well, both Coach Youngs, Coach Young at Clark Fork and then Coach Young at Wallace, I think that all you can really ask for is to to put yourself in position to to play your way in. And both of them are in position to play their way in. So now... You put it on your coaches to put up a, you know, come up with a good game plan and you put it on the kids to execute those game plans. And, you know, you, you let the chips fall where they may. I agree with Mullen St. Regis. I really want to take Clark Fork because they've played so tough this year. They've lost to Mullen St. Regis twice in two very close games. Um, but the style they run where they run that clock all the way down and really take the air out of the ball. It forces them to be perfect almost on offense. And if they're not, they can be in trouble. Like I saw with my own eyes against Lakeside. And at the same time, I'm not sure I trust Lakeside because they're Jekyll and Hyde. They look great sometimes. And sometimes you're like, boy, what happened? Um, I guess 
I'll go with Lakeside as well, but I, I don't feel great about it. The, the crazy thing is that whoever takes first place gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Whoever takes second place gets a home playoff game against probably Tri-Valley or Horseshoe Bend. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out to be sure. Um, and we are planning on uh, trying to cover one of those eight-man games. We haven't officially nailed it down next week, depending on playoff scenarios and all that good stuff up north. Um, and but, you're up that way now, Brandon. I mean, Wallets in early November. Coach, I don't know if you ever had to make that road trip all the way up past Moscow and play in a Mullen or play in a Clark Fork or play uh, in a Wallace. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can run into some just muddy, sloppy, messy uh, conditions that really, if you're know, if, if you a Clark Forker, if you're a – uh, a lakeside and you think you might be a little bit outmatched athletically, the conditions can equalize a lot just based on the weather up there in the early parts of November. Right. Never had to make a run up there at that particular time of the year. But, uh, definitely mud and slush and water can newt can, uh, can level the playing field to, and help you out. Yeah. I was at that playoff game last year where garden Valley, played Mullen St. Regis and the field was just a sopping mess. You've got to walk across the field to get to the crow's nest to set up for the broadcast. My socks were soaking wet <laughs> from walking across that field. It was not good. Cold day for sure. Um, all right, let's go to where things are a little simpler. There's not as much math involved, which is great for me. Let's go to district four where I don't know. It looks like a pretty clear line's been drawn. Top three, bottom three. Camas County beats Shoshone 63 nothing. Hagerman beats Castleford 44-0. Dietrich beats Hansen 52 to nothing. So that is a combined score of 159-0, Coach. I think it's pretty clear. Top three, bottom three, right? It looks like it. Yeah, I think those three have, have uh, secured those positions, and they're looking good and strong. I guess the one I was most surprised by, Will, was was Hagerman and Castleford. Not that Hager, we we say this all the time. Not that Hagerman won, but the the margin by which they won, and for Castleford to not even crack the end zone, kind of surprised me a little bit. And didn't even crack a hundred yards in total offense. All three of these games, uh, the <clears throat> it's not just the zero; it's the fact that 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 the winning team's defenses really set the tone in all three games. Shoshone, Hanson, Castleford all held under 100 total yards. And, I mean, it, it sounds very trite to say this, but you're not going to win many games when you're only getting 70, 80 yards of offense. And that's a credit to all three teams' defenses that that uh, that they were able to, to really tighten things down and, and do the job. Because had a couple of those results gone differently, had Castleford won, had Hanson won, the, what we just talked through with District 1, we would have talked through that here in District 4 three times as much just because the situations would have been that much more crazy. Uh, but now it's uh, we've we got a pretty good grasp on who the three teams will be. It's just a matter of which team is in which spot. Yeah, and something crazy could still happen, uh, especially with Camas County playing Castle Ford this Friday. Uh, maybe Coach Lowry pull, pulls the old rabbit out of the hat here and, and really muddies things up. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think there's a clear top three here. For Castle Ford, it's pretty simple. you got to win out, and it starts with the mushers. You get the big dogs coming to town, and good luck. And then the last game of the year for Camas County is also going to be a very interesting, Coach, where Dietrich will play the mushers. And if Dietrich can get the win, you're looking at a possible three-way tie at the top of the conference between Camus, Hagerman, and Dietrich. They will have all beaten each other. Uh, which coach was it that asked you to break out the old Sawtooth Conference Constitution? It was uh, Coach Rife from Hanson that uh, suggested that. So we'll see if they've altered that or they go the coin toss or a playoff at the top there. But we've seen that at the top before, and we've also seen in that Sawtooth Conference uh, a tie for fourth place many, many times where there was a playoff on a Monday and you go watch that and then one place four. Oh, uh, yeah, you never know who, how it's going to end up in there, but Camus is looking strong right now and, uh, and Hagerman has, has uh, established himself. So congratulations to both those teams. 
Yeah, and I think Dietrich had some bumps in the road early, but I think Coach Estelle has gotten things figured out there at Dietrich. I'm really intrigued to see how they do against Camas County in two weeks. And you might be thinking, well, a three-way tie, they all get to the playoffs. Who cares? Well, <laughs> first of all, the conference champion gets a first-round bye. Um, and, or actually, let me double-check. Yeah, they get a first-round bye. And then second place and third place, both have to actually third place hits the road. Second place gets a home playoff game. So there is some importance there coach uh, between getting a home game and a road game in the playoffs. Yeah. You definitely want to, to win out and, and be able to host that in your home field. And that kind of gives you a little edge, a little advantage perhaps uh, to get things started in the bracket. But uh, anything can happen this late in the season, but Amos is looking pretty good. Yeah, let me let me ask you this, uh, because we've seen it in baseball where, uh, and we're all baseball fans here. All of the baseball teams that got buys during the opening round of the playoffs have all lost, <laughs> uh, and and maybe Atlanta changes that. But um, they're so losing there's this, right now. There, yeah, there's this talk of, uh, boy, the buy is really bad. You get rusty and you don't get a chance to get reps. And where do you fall on that as a coach? Did you like having that buy or did you like, did you not mind playing right away in, in the opening round of the playoffs? We did not like a buy. We wanted to play straight through. We tried to create the bracket that way. So we were just playing all the way straight through and, and your engine never has a chance to, doesn't have a chance to rest or think it's, think it's off for a week at, uh, Sometimes it helps with injuries, but we have never enjoyed a, a buy and always thought they just keep playing. The, the engine keeps going on the track. So how do you, when you're in a bye week, how how do you get the team still getting reps and staying sharp? What do you, what do you do? Well, usually those first four days, we still have a lot of hitting drills and different things, but then we usually take a Friday off and uh, and then uh, go watch that game of our next opponent, perhaps, and uh, and then go from there and try to stay sharp. But uh, you gotta you gotta keep the pedal to the metal, especially in that uh, next week on Monday. You mean business, and uh, you're still running 40s hard. Yeah, momentum is a fickle thing sometimes, uh, for sure. So uh, let's wrap up our 1A D2 talk with uh, East Idaho District 5-6, the Rocky Mountain Conference. Will uh, Rockland beats Mackey 59 to 12. North Gem beats Clark County 55 to seven. I thought this was interesting because as we've talked about Clark County approached all of the members of its conference and said, Hey, we don't have enough guys to play eight man football. Would you mind playing six man against us this year? Everybody said, yep, we'll go ahead and do it. And so North Jim, well, I kind of like this from coach hatch. He took the opportunity in this six man game to air it out. We don't ever see this from North Jim. Um, they, they threw the ball around the yard. Rusty Hatch threw the ball 11 times. That might've been more pass attempts than he had in the previous, like four games combined. Four uh, years yeah. combined, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it'd be one of those things where if, if North Gem suddenly had to throw the ball 10, 15 times a game, I think coach Hatch might just drop his whistle and his playbook right there on the field and say, I'm out, I'm done. I'm not doing this. Uh, but it, I mean, it is an opportunity to, to test kids a little bit because it's a different game. Um, you, you play it a little differently, you style it a little differently, and, and your kids have different assignments and responsibilities. Um, and so it's an opportunity to push your kids and to test your kids and see what they can do. And 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 they answered and, and they did well. And then Rockland, you know, Rockland's playing some good football right now. They started a little bit slow, but boy, it, it sure looks like they're starting to hum pretty good here down the stretch. Yeah, so Rusty Hatch completes 7 of 11 passes for 166 yards and five touchdowns. They had five passing touchdowns, which we never see. Uh, Coach Kirkland, I thought the move by Coach Hatch was was pretty smart to, to go ahead and, hey, let, let's throw the ball. Because you never know in the playoffs when you might have to ditch the game plan and start throwing the ball. Yeah, and uh, you, you got to get those reps in. You got to practice them live against other teams, and when you have enough to scrimmage against, even if it is down to six, man, you gotta you gotta practice that stuff and make sure that your kids know where the ball is going to land and get the timing and stuff down. But um, it's pretty noble of, of North Gen to be able to just play that six-man game and honor the request of Clark County um, to make that happen. And let's give Clark County a, a great deal of credit and their school district and the, the leadership in that school for still wanting to continue to play any kind of football possible. I think that is amazing over the years and give those kids a chance still to, uh, to participate and put a helmet on and go, 
go scrimmage somewhere no matter what kind of ball it is. So uh, good job to those teams over there and, and to Clark County. Way to go. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. Those are good folks up there in Dubois and they so badly want to play football. And so I'm glad they're still able to. And so now it comes down to, we still think it's Rockland and North gem uh, next week for the conference title, but wait, well, here's water Springs still kind of hanging around the periphery. I'll admit they're a younger team this year. We don't know a lot about water Springs. We know they've got a pretty good coach and Shane Reamer and water Springs finishes with North gem and Mackie. Now, if they can knock off North gem and take care of Mackie and assuming North gem loses to Rockland, the Warriors get that second playoff spot. Yeah, they've they've put themselves in a position where it's in their hands, and then that's all you can ask for. And um, they've they've had to, or maybe we're the ones that have had to recalibrate a little bit because we're just not saying, you know, Drew Plocker over and over and over again like we did last year when we talked about Water Springs. But uh, they've got a chance to go out there and, and snap up the helmets and, and prove that they belong. Yeah, this is a very uh, young team, as we said, for Water Springs. They have four seniors this year, actually five seniors, but they also have a lot of sophomores um, that they're leaning on. They're three and three. They've got wins over Clark County. Uh, they beat Hanson in the season opener, 50 to 22, and we think Hanson's a pretty good team. And then they beat St. Joseph, a, a private school from Ogden, Utah. So uh, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see. And even more crazy is if Water Springs beats North Gem and then Mackey beats Water Springs and North Gem loses to Rockland, then you've got this three-way tie for that second and final playoff spot between North Gem, Mackey, and Water Springs as they've all beaten each other. And I guess that's really what we want, Coach, at the end of the year is a reason for teams to still fight hard and compete. You bet. Yeah, and they'll be maybe requesting that Sawtooth Conference uh, constitution to see how to break that. Hi, right? Yep. It's yep. no, it's noble. Let me tell you. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the competition. You want it. You want to give your very best and uh, and have your your school opportunity to represent. And uh, the battle will begin. Yeah. Selfishly, I just want the straightforward path. So when I do my bracketology posts on idosports.com, I don't have to dig into the math too much. But uh, the other, the fan in me wants to see the chaos too. So good luck to everybody at the one AD two level who's competing this weekend all right let's go to 1a d1 where uh the conversation has to start in district four we had some very eye-opening performances uh let's start with murtaugh they come out and beat rat forever 72 to 36 and that coupled with lighthouse christian's loss which we'll talk about in a second vaults the red devils into second place all alone coach this was a, a big week for murtaugh yeah, I, uh, I watched that game on Huddle. We have that because we're playing this week, and I scouted that and watched uh, Murtaugh play Raptor. Lots of run. Great run game on the, on the Devils, uh, hitting the turbo down the sideline, hitting the turbo up the middle. Um, a lot of that beautiful T formation that I love so much um, was put into action, and uh, and Jensen had, had those guys moving down the field, and that's a lot of good points uh, coming into this next week. Yeah, three different backs rushed for over 100 yards for Murtaugh. Junior Benitez, 154 and two touchdowns. Eli Merrick, 145 and three TDs. And then Brody Funk had 119 yards and a score. And then Sawyer Young rushed for 50 yards. He's the quarterback, and he had two touchdowns as well. Uh, Coach, uh, do you know – tell me a little bit about Coach Todd Jensen. I got, I got to interact with him for the first time last year during Murtaugh's playoff game with Lighthouse Christian. It's, it's a game they ultimately lost by one score. Um, but throughout the course of the game, he seemed pretty calm, cool, and collected, even though Murtaugh was not in great positions at times in that in that ball game, He, he seems pretty collected on the sideline. <laughs> he, he's a blast to coast against. He's got a great attitude and always joking. Um, I think that sense of humor probably was keeping him calm there on the sideline as, as things played out there. But uh, he is pretty consistent in his play calling, and he gets pretty creative sometimes as it, as it gets close, and he needs a big play. And he's got some players to do that, and it looks like he utilized that and uh, is doing pretty well there right now. Yeah, so Murtaugh gets the big win over Raft River, 72-36. to They're now 3-1 and in the conference, 5-1 and overall. Lighthouse Christian, who we kind of had pegged all year long as the, okay, they're, you know, if Oakley's one, Lighthouse is two. 
Uh, but the, the critique I've had all year long for Lighthouse is sometimes they go into these funks offensively. We saw it against Carey. We saw it against Oakley. And it came to bite them in a big way here in this loss to Valley. Valley wins 66-34. to 34. In the second quarter, it was 16-14 to 14 Lighthouse. And then the Lions turned the ball over on back-to-back possessions. So Valley scores to take the lead. Then Andrew Lukes comes up with an interception for Valley. The Vikings score again. And then Irving Estrada recovers a fumble. And again, the Vikings score. And coach, those turnovers will kill you. And next thing you knew, Valley was up three scores and Lighthouse could never get out of that hole. Yeah, especially that many in a row. You'd certainly get completely out of your funk. And if you, you you lose 22, 24 points right off the top there, all of a sudden you're going, whoa. What, what just happened there, and, and how do you recover from that? that uh, a lot of drop passes I, I heard as well in, in that game on the Lighthouse uh, side, and then those, like I say, those turnovers can just uh, can just be the, the knock in the teeth that you really don't uh, know how to get recovered from. Yeah, big wake-up call for, for Lighthouse, Will. And now because of that, in the latest Bracketology projections, the three auto bids would go to Oakley, Murtaugh and Valley lighthouse would drop to fourth place. And in a bit of a weird max preps quirk, uh, lighthouse if the playoffs started today, lighthouse would be hosting Valley, even though Valley just beat them, which is, I thought was interesting, but Valley trend in the right way. They've, they've gotten a little bit better and a little bit better all year. Uh, you know, Josh Hardy and some of those players that you named as well. It's a good group of kids. It's a fairly young team still. I believe they've only got four or five seniors themselves. Um, so it's it's a team that's been they've been on the rise most of the year. And it's it's one thing to to get the turnovers. It's another thing to then immediately go cash them in. And that's where you double up. You know, that's that's the gut punch followed by the big roundhouse punch to the chin when you can do it like that, where you force the turnover and then immediately power it in. So uh, you know, Valley, I think that this speaks extremely highly of Valley. Uh, the thing that, that you talk about teams that don't have long to celebrate, they're playing Oakley this week and then they play Notice next week. So you can sit there and say, yay, we're in third place now. Well, now you got to go take on the number one team in the state where if you lose, you might be right back on the outside of the outside of that bubble looking in again. So, uh, you know, that that Vikings group, they've got their work cut out for them. But like I say, they've been They've been continuing to get better and better as the year has gone on. Year has gone on. And they just passed a big test with Lighthouse Christian. And now you get an even bigger test going up against Oakley. Yeah, and you figure Oakley, uh, even if they dropped this game to Valley, Oakley's 4-0 in the conference. Murtaugh's 3-1. Valley is 3-2. Lighthouse now 2-2. You figure even if Oakley stubs their toe against Valley, uh, they finished with Glenn's Ferry and would probably be able to take care of business. So Oakley really only has to win on Friday and they've pretty much got it locked up. Um, and then, you know, speaking of notice, you mentioned Valley wraps up the season with notice. It's been a while since we've had a nomination for our all name team here on the Idaho eight man prep cast, but we did get one, uh, a player from the notice pirates. I wanted to get your guys's opinion on it. Ro- Rocky sauce. His name uh-huh. is Ro- Rocky sauce. What do you think? I do remember that name from last year, and, and you bet. I, I vote yes. <laughs> Will? I'll tell you a little story here. I live five miles from Notice, and I was doing a, one of the playoff games in Notice last year, and, and I believe it was with Lucas Gebhardt. And I said to him before the game, I'm like, if this kid gets in, I saw his name on the list. And he was number 41 or something like that. And I said, if he gets in, I go, you need to queue up the Tennessee, University of Tennessee fight song and play Rocky Top. And then we're going to sing along with it. But instead of Rocky Top, we're just going to say Rocky Sauce. And we're going to do the whole fight song except Rocky Sauce instead of Rocky. And the kid never got in the game, which kind of ruined our plans. But so, yeah, I've been... I've been aware of his name for a while and I would vote yes on that one as well. All right. It's unanimous. And we have filled out half of our all name team. We've got Rocky sauce from notice lucky Matt from Lakeside. We've got crash Taylor from castle Ford 
And uh, we also have our original uh, nominee, Razor Duke from Butte County. And we'll continue to take your submissions here for the final four slots on the all-name team. So Four to go. Yeah. Four to go. All right, Coach. I've delayed the inevitable here. We've got to talk about your Cary Panthers. They went to Glens Ferry and uh, fall in a two-point game, 34 to 32. This was a... A major owie for for Kerry's playoff chances, and yet despite that, you know now the Panthers are are one in five overall. They're one in three in the conference. Uh, Glens Ferry is now tied with them and technically ahead of them on the head to head tiebreaker. Despite all that, Max Prep says, "Yeah, we don't really care." Kerry would still be in the playoffs if they started today, but obviously not a not a great situation for the Panthers. Yeah, that that would be a very interesting to uh, to still make the playoffs there. Um, yeah, I went, went to Glens Ferry, uh, you know, both teams uh, hungry for a win, looking at a chance to, to both teams looking at a chance to get a win at each other. And uh, I, apparently our kids, what they said, quote, forgot to get off the bus and got knocked in the head uh, 22 to nothing to start with there. Uh, came back uh, brilliantly uh, before halftime to close 22-12, I think, and then uh, rallied towards the end to take the lead until that final drive where Glens Ferry was able to, to push it over the goal line and uh, and finally win the game, I believe, with 10 seconds remaining. But uh, I watched that game on huddle as well. Um, that very Saturday morning, I, I felt bad for our carry crew, but uh, uh, congratulations to Glens Ferry. I was very impressed with the play calling and with the quarterback play. Uh, great execution. Guys were open. Guys caught the ball. He got there. He, he got the yards they needed and, uh, and they got the victory for the pilots. So. Yeah, Landon Stewart, quarterback, threw for 271 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron DeLeon catches six balls for 155 yards and a score. Landon Mills caught the other touchdown, and he had 75 yards receiving. Josiah Valencia scores two touchdowns on the ground. Coach, you tell me if I'm off base here because I just kind of look from afar, but it seems to me Kerry starts slow. They play really well in the second half, but it seems like a number of times this year the Panthers have just kind of started slow out of the gates. They have, yeah. Um, we've had uh, multiple three and outs to start the games, and that that can hurt you. Uh, that uh, takes some confidence away. A defense is compensated from time to time, but it did not in that uh, Glens Ferry game. But um, I think it's just a matter of someone saying, like a Stockton Sears a few weeks ago, let's go. It's time to get going here. And uh, I imagine our senior said something there to get everybody going and uh, – and, and did their best to rally, but uh, fell there in the end. Yeah, so now, Will, as we take a look at the Snake River Conference at large, uh, Oakley, Murtaugh, Valley, Lighthouse, I would say, are all kind of safely into the playoffs. Carey, if the playoffs started today, would get that final at large bid, and, and the first team out, quote-unquote, would be Raft River. And they're the team that's in last place right now. They're one and four in the league. They're two and four overall. They finish up with Butte County and then Cary. And it sure seems like the winner of that Raft River Cary game is probably going to get the last playoff spot. It's it's kind of setting up that way a little bit. And this is where we've had the conversation before that it'd be nice to know exactly what that mathematical formula is. Um, but it's also nice for the Raft Rivers and the Carries where maybe the wins are not, you know, coming in big bushel barrels to them the way they have in years past, there's still something to play for here. Uh, And Coach Evans is going to have that team ready to go. And, I mean, I guarantee if we get to the week of that October 20th game, Cary and and Raft River, those are two teams. I don't think you're going to have to worry about either one of them getting off the bus, Coach. I think they're both going to be ready to go for that one. Yeah, I think there'll be some some serious – Hunger there fighting for that last position there as both schools have a great amount of tradition and a lot of pride and some some great coaches and good players left. I would love to to have someone from IdahoSports.com go broadcast that game. I got to look and see if we can pull it off because there's a lot of good games in the Magic Valley that week. Uh, the, the game we're scheduled to cover in the Magic Valley that last week is uh, all the way up at the 4A ranks, Twin Falls at Minico, in a game that'll decide that conference title, which will be a fantastic matchup. But 
I'll look at the schedule. I'll see who's available. Maybe we can do something with that Kerry Rack River game. I don't want to. I don't want to get everybody's hopes up, but man, that would be a fun one to go cover for sure. And so, as we're talking about Kerry and Rack River possibly taking that last playoff spot, Will, that is not what Prairie Pirate fans want to hear up north in the White Pine League, where <clears throat> Prairie won the game they needed to last week. They beat Lapway fifty-four to forty-four. Uh, Potlatch got a big win over Clearwater Valley, 60 to 18. Kamii beats Troy, 66 to 8. Logos had a bye. So Logos is still in the driver's seat. They're 5 and 0. Kamii and Potlatch are each 4 and 1. Prairie is 3 and 2. Let, let's start with the Pirates. They got up big, let Lapway back into the game, and ultimately held off the Wildcats to win by 10. They leaned on Dylan Eulen, caught 344 yards. Three touchdowns. That's the prairie we're used to seeing. Yeah, huge game for for Eulen Todd, and really when his team needed it most. And again, this this points to the fun of the the Max Preps math that nobody knows. Is you have Prairie, who's who's three and two in conference, four and two overall, looking up potentially at a couple of teams that right now have have one win, and it's it can be really hard to understand why. A couple of years ago, it was Wilder at five and two wondering why they didn't get in. And Kyle Dalsolio went and blew up his entire schedule and started over and said, I can't just go play, you know, Horseshoe Bend, Tri-Valley, and Council every year anymore. Even if we go lose to a Valley or a Murtaugh, I've got to go play them. Um, and, and, you know, District 2, it seems to be for the second year in a row, might be the team. And it was Prairie last year as well that – was asking me, hey, why is Idaho City in? And, you know, some Prairie fans not realizing that District 3 got two automatic berths. And so, you know, Idaho City with, with I think, two wins got in over Prairie that was uh, four and four, five and three, something like that. So it's 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 a tough spot to be in, um, but coaches are fond of saying, coach, and I know you'll agree, it's it's in our hands. You know, if we if we win football games, if we don't have bad losses early in the year, we don't find ourselves in this position in October where we're, you know, relying on other people to lose. So hopefully we can sneak in. Yeah, coach, I was going to ask you, uh, it's tough with the White Pine League, kind of like District four. The conference is so big. Most of your schedule is dedicated to the league, right? Seven of your eight games or or maybe nine. Um, are tied up in conference play, which means you only have one or two dates to fill with another opponent. If it were me, wouldn't you think the first call I'd make if I was a team up north and I was serious about contending, it won't matter next year because Kendrick will actually be in their league, but wouldn't the first call you would make be to Kendrick? Hey, can we play you guys? Let's figure it out to make it on the schedule. It's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit us. And yet it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that uh, that's important if you want to make that bracket and all you're using is max preps as your your uh, denominator there, then you would need you would take a hard look at uh, playing the harder teams. Even if it's a, a butt whooping, you, you got to get some the uh, max prep score in somewhere and uh, and fix that schedule if uh, if at all possible. It will, because we know Kendrick is a team that is dying to fill its schedule. We both talked to Coach Zane Hobart, and Notice was supposed to play Kendrick this year and backed out. A number of Washington schools over the last couple of years were scheduled to play Kendrick and backed out. If if I'm a coach in the White Pine 1AD1, wouldn't, why wouldn't you play Kendrick? Well, Kendrick's playing Grace this week. You know, they're back down here for, what, the third time this year playing in the Treasure Valley to, to pick up a game to – to, to play someone. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys and, and granted baseball is a little different than football, but I'm one of those guys, Hey, just put another team on the field and I'll go play them. And I don't care if it's the New York Yankees. I don't care if it's the bliss bears, I'll, I'll go play them. Um, and, and Kendrick has, has had some, some difficulties finding them. And I know that with the white pine being as traditionally tough as it is, uh, I would just assume that some of those coaches are a little hesitant to throw another thousand-pound gorilla in the midst with Prairie and Logos and Lapway and Kamii, and uh, it would just be tough to to just keep loading up that schedule where you're playing, you know, five, six, seven gauntlet games in a row, much like what happens, you know, coach in in your conference in District Four. Yeah. 
And it's uh, it's hard uh, to schedule those tougher games sometimes, even if it means missing the playoffs, because that team is so dominant. Um, I know Oakley's had uh, over the years, the last 10 years, had a hard time filling their schedule um, because they were so dominant and so good. Um, we've, we at times have had, had difficulty filling our schedule. We've never been invited to a jamboree, um, perhaps because of that reason. But uh, the, if you're going to, if your interests are in making the playoffs, you're going to have to just uh, just do your best and schedule up and, and see how it goes. And, and of course, it's not as simple as call Kendrick and make it happen, right? Uh, you only have one date to work with. Kendrick also has to fill their schedule as well. But just for comparison, how did the top four teams in the White Pine fill that one open date? Logos scheduled Lakeside, 1AD2. Kami scheduled Council, a 1AD2, but a good 1AD2. Uh, Potlatch scheduled Deary, 1AD2, a little bit of a regional rival. Prairie scheduled Timberline of Weipe. And they got a nice win, but, you know, I think if you're Prairie and you miss out on the playoffs for a second straight year because of the max preps ranking, the white pine is not as strong as it once used to be. And you can't bank on the white pine lifting you because district four is so strong. If I'm Prairie next year, you have to go find a tougher opponent to put on that schedule. Right. Will? yeah, if there's an opening in the schedule to be had, absolutely. The schedule might already be full depending on, uh, you know, a lot of times they'll sign home and home deals. Coach Kirkland can speak to that a little better than I can. But, but yeah, I would think that if I'm Prairie and I'm aced out on a mathematical equation for a second straight year, I, I'm putting out an email to basically all of District Four, probably Butte County, probably Grace, probably Notice. You know, and I'm just saying, hey, who's got who's got a date? Here's a date I have available. And, and and I need a game that's going to really test my kids. And, and I need something that's going to boost me in the eyes of this Max Preps computer. Yeah, and, and Prairie has done it in the past, right? They've played at the eight-man classic, which we didn't have for the first time in a long time this year. I really hope it comes back. I think some people are working on trying to bring that back next year. But um, it, it is. It, it's interesting. And so so Prairie now basically has to win out. They're, they're at home against Clearwater Valley, and then they're at Logos. But not only do they have to win their final two, they've got to hope uh, that Logos, either Logos loses both of their games or Kamii loses both of their games, or Potlatch loses both of their games. So Prairie not only has to win out, they need help from other people. And when you look at the schedule this week, Logos is at Troy. Kamii uh, is hosting Genesee. We talked about Prairie and CV. Potlatch is at Lapway. The only game I see giving anybody any real trouble is possibly Potlatch having to travel to Lapway to play a sneaky Wildcats team. So it's really going to come down to the final week of the season where Prairie plays Logos, and Potlatch plays Kamii, but by then, well, it might be too late. And you're looking at Logos and then the Potlatch Kamii winner taking second, and then the Potlatch Kamii loser taking third. Potentially. And you don't like being in scoreboard watch mode. You don't like being that team rooting against someone rather than let's just go get the win and take care of business ourselves. That's a tough spot to be in. <laughs> yep. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the White Pine this week and how everybody takes a look at that final at-large playoff spot into the 1AD1 postseason. But uh, it's going to be another great week of football throughout the state. Uh, we will have Garden Valley and Council for you uh, on IdahoSports.com. We'll also have that neutral site game from Middleton. We didn't talk about it too much because it's a D1 versus a D2, but uh, Kendrick taking on Grace in Homedale should be a fun one too, Will. It should be a really fun one. And I'm, uh, you know, we've been coming into the year. I was one of them that I was a little bit skeptical on Grace. They've proven me wrong. Uh, and now they're going to get one of their tallest challenges yet. And Kendrick, you know, you're talking about a team that's beaten in Oakley and beaten Butte County. So, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to come in with their eyes wide by any stretch of the imagination. They're coming down here with, uh, the expectation of getting another win, and and uh, it should be a fun matchup. And I think Grace is going to have to land a couple punches early. Uh, and if if they can if they can get Kendrick back on their heels a little bit and kind of stretch the game out a little bit, uh, they've got a chance to hang around. But if Kendrick can get the jump, uh, that's I think that's a game that Kendrick's going to win. 
Yeah, it's a little uh, Friday afternoon football for you, Coach Kirkland. Kendrick and Grace playing at 3 o'clock. Council and Garden Valley at 3.30. What time does school get out and carry? Yeah, 3.15. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect yeah, time. Right. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a good plan there. So uh, if you want to see the full list of games we're broadcasting on IdahoSports.com, all you have to do is click on the game streams tab at the top of the homepage. All right, guys, another show in the books. And next week, speaking of postseason baseball, pinch hitter coming up for the final week of the regular season, gentlemen. Uh, I have another obligation. I'm actually broadcasting uh, a post falls high school football game next Thursday night, uh, all the way up at the Big Bad 5A. We don't like to talk about those big 5A schools here on the 8-Man Prepcast. So uh, in my place will be uh, the boss uh, at IdahoSports.com, Paul Kingsbury. Should be a good time, right, Coach? Yeah, it'll be good to chat with Paul. Will, you're going to have to be on your P's and Q's. I'm just hoping he's not going to wear that dumb Mountain Dew hat that he always wears all the time. <laughs> oh, gauntlet dropped. Okay, that should be a good time. So, I'm gonna uh, get like an RC Cola hat or something to wear <laughs> just to to balance him out. <laughs> what What did you say, Coach Kirkland? So I'm going to find a Mountain Dew hat just in honor of if he doesn't. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh! Maybe Pepsi. Pepsi better. But there yeah. we go. Okay. Cool. Cool. <sighs> Doctor Pepper. Something. <laughs> something. There was one I remember my dad bought my sister one time as a joke. It was a diet chocolate fudge soda. So if you can find that hat and put that thing on, Coach, you get MVP status for the year. That's probably worth $100 right now. Probably, yes. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like gastrointestinal distress. I don't know. That's... Yeah, that too. But hey, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. All right. So uh, stay tuned for next week's edition of the Idaho eight man prep cast with of course, coach Lane Kirkland and Will Henneke and Paul Kingsbury uh, driving the bus next week. Will they drive it off a cliff? You'll have to tune in and find out, but until then, thank you for uh, listening and watching to the Idaho eight man prep cast. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.